Hello, this is Robert Rickover at Body Learning, and today my guest is Dr. Terry Fitzgerald, who is an Alexander Technique teacher in Sydney, Australia. He has been teaching the, the technique for over 30 years, and for a number of years was the director of the Sydney Alexander School, a teacher training program in Sydney. Uh, Terry has a, a doctorate in education from the University of Technology in Sydney, and he works uh, at that university uh, part-time in that, in that field. And we're going to talk today about the relationship between F. Matthias Alexander, who was the developer of the Alexander Technique, and Professor John Dewey, who uh, was extremely influential in the development of American education in the first half of the 20th century. Um, he also was probably America's most famous philosopher. His field was something called pragmatism, and he was a leading exponent of that. In addition, he was a public, you might call him a, a public intellectual. He he gave speeches and was pretty well known in America at, in the first half of the last century. And we're just we're going to discuss the connection between these two men, which is really quite an interesting one. Um, Terry, welcome to the show. Thank you, Robert. Thank you for having me. Uh, it's an interesting uh, pair they made because Alexander was um, pretty much um, had few, if any, formal academic uh, uh, credentials. He grew up in Tasmania and uh, left, I don't think he even went to formal school all that much. I believe he was tutored uh, part of the time. And Dewey, on the other hand, uh, I, I imagine Dewey must have had a PhD. Uh, he certainly, he was a professor at, uh, uh, at for a long time, he was, uh, I believe, very prominent at Columbia University in in, the, in New York City in in uh, the teacher uh, training college there, which itself was extremely influential in in American education during that period. So they make an odd pair. Do you want to talk a little bit about how they first came in contact with each other, and then we could proceed from there? Yes, I believe Dewey uh, started having lessons with Alexander in New York in 1916. Uh, John, Ale Alexander was living in the United States there briefly during the First World War and uh, was introduced to John Dewey and uh, John Dewey started having lessons with Alexander Technique. Uh, John Dewey had just finished his one of his major works, Democracy in Education, I think was, had, had been published a year before. So my understanding is that he was fairly exhausted from that and that meeting Alexander helped to revive him and reinvigorate him sort of physically and mentally. Then they became friends from that point and rather to, well, they both died in the early, well, early 1950s, so Dewey in 1952, Alexander in 1955. And from what I understand, they were friends, if not close friends, at a distance for, for all of that time. Mm-hmm. And Dewey ended up writing the introductions to three of Alexander's four books and uh, uh, maintained uh, that 
his his lessons with Alexander not only helped him physically, I believe he was very very proud of his uh, rib movements, the fluidity of his, his ribs and breathing. He always kind of showed that off to people. But more importantly for our discussion, he saw in Alexander's work uh, ideas and concepts that went, in a sense, well beyond the physical. And uh, he has a number of quotes uh, to that effect. I think one of the most uh, dramatic, in a way, is uh, a statement of his um, that he, he says it, and it refers to Alexander's discoveries or his technique. It bears the same relation to education that education itself bears to all other human activities. And uh, we discussed that quote briefly before, but in, in the context of their of their uh, connection, what what do you make of that? I think Alex, uh, Dewey um, must have gotten hold of Alexander's concept of habit quite strongly. Uh, I can't imagine exactly how Alexander taught him. Uh, but Ale- Dewey then wrote or acknowledged Alexander in subsequent books of his own uh, for he- Alexander's contribution to Dewey's thinking on habit. Uh, he had been thinking these thoughts before, but the uh, practical experience of working with Alexander, so to speak, put flesh on the intellectual bones of his thinking. Uh, so insofar as how we think, in fact, we wrote a book called How We Think, uh, it can be a function of habitual ways of processing mentally, then to change to change the way we think uh, in the way Alexander would have taught him, uh, would make a big difference to uh, Dewey's approach to education subsequently. And it doesn't surprise me that he was so keen to um, put for Alexander's ideas forward, even though I think, in a way, Dewey wrote rather better than Alexander. But uh, it's worth reading Dewey sometimes, I find, to get some clarity around what Alexander was trying to say in some of his more complicated sentences, Dewey, I find anyway, can uh, provide a easier access sometimes to Alexander's thinking. Yes, I, I would agree with that. Although I have to say, um, the little of Dewey I've read, or part parts of his books I've read, I, I wouldn't have described him as an easy-to-read writer either. But, no, <laughs> but yes, and and I think a, a a wonderful example of what you were just talking about, in maybe you know where this where this passage occurs, but there's in one of Dewey's own books he talks about posture and why it doesn't really make sense to to tell someone to stand up straight. Do you, do you remember that? little section yes i think that was um 1922 book um i'll have to think it i have to look it up but but yes in in any event if you were reading this whatever book that was and it's full of pretty abstract intellectual uh, intellectualizing which i think he was pretty good at 
you suddenly uh, he suddenly veers seemingly veers off course and uses a, an example to make a point of his. Uh, he starts something like, "Well, consider telling a man to stand up straight and how useless that is." And then he yes. provides a very a very well reasoned explanation of why it is at best useless and probably harmful to 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 tell someone to stand up straight starting with the basic assumptions that the person will be able to do what you ask him and he even says you know the 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 assumptions that go into that kind of statement are I believe he phrased it uh, akin to belief in primitive magic and about as uh, sensical as telling the tide not to come in today. It, it's just, it's worse than, worse than crazy almost. And I always think of, of some, some PhD philosophy student plowing through Dewey and suddenly coming on this. And I would think it would be kind of a shock to be brought into the reality of their own, of their own posture. And uh, it's, it's an interesting example of where I think Dewey phrased it probably better than Alexander ever did. That's right. It's, uh, I think it's educa- – uh, what's the book? Dr- um, looking it up. Human Nature and Conduct, I believe, was the book from mm-hmm. 1922. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's also worth noticing that w- ad- when Dewey uses those references, he also adds a footnote at the bottom of each page where he acknowledges Alexander for the contribution towards that way of thinking. Mm-hmm. So I think this might have been the first published uh, references in Dewey's books to Alexander. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yes, um, I, in a university context, see lots of scholars sitting around their computers and very engrossed in their work, uh, very bright people, and I'll have to wonder what they're doing to their heads and necks and their backs uh, as they sit there scrunched and humped over their computers. Mm-hmm. But um, it's not for me to tell them to do otherwise because I'm, <laughs> right. I'm in that, their environment. They're not in mine. Right. But it is – I like to come back to something we, we talked about just a little bit earlier, which is that um, Al- Alexander in his own self-investigations early on – we're talking uh, the 1890s now in Australia – came uh, – in the process of trying to figure out how to solve a vocal issue that he had, uh, came up against, um, well, was kind of forced into realizing, I guess you could put it that way, almost forced into realizing that it isn't just that mind and body are very closely related, but that in in his view, they were really just two aspects of the same thing. They were much, much closer than anyone, certainly in the West at that time, was comfortable talking about. And I think yes. Dewey picked up on that right away. I think he saw that, sensed and, and realized that connection pretty quickly. Well, I think Dewey was thinking these thoughts before he met Alexander. And in theor- a theoretical, he had a theoretical yes. idea about them. Yes, that's uh-huh. right. Yes, philosophically, he he understood that. 
right. uh, it took his experience of working with Alexander in in the physical domain to sort of realize that there was a, a practical application of these philosophical ideas. Right. I think he sa- he says that somewhere that Alexander, in a sense, gave him the tools for putting these theoretical ideas into practice. Yes. I don't think he phrased it quite like that, but I think that was the essence of it. And and that's why you do see, it's one of the reasons why you do see all of these references either to Alexander himself or to what are clearly ideas that Dewey got from Alexander in his in his own books and, of course, certainly in his introductions to Alexander's books as well. Yes, they're very valuable documents, those introductions, well worth reading for their own sake, I think. I think so. I think if, if you I think for anyone listening to our conversation who wants to kind of a wants a crash course on the Dewey Alexander connection, I would get I would think the the best place to get that would be to read the introductions to Alexander's first three books. They're not that long, and they would give you a pretty clear idea of 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 how that influence went from Alexander to Dewey. Now, yes. I, I know that there are at least a few Alexander teachers who have maintained that there may have been an influence in the other direction. Do you have any thoughts on that? I would hope so, and I can't... I mean, I have read in the past, uh, some statements to say that Alexander didn't learn from Dewey. Now, that to me would be such a nonsensical thing. If you have a friend like John Dewey and you don't make an effort to learn from him, I can't can't imagine anybody not doing that. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't think Alexander was uh, perhaps so forthcoming. Whatever he learned, he perhaps, perhaps didn't acknowledge so much. But Others would also say that uh, John Dewey helped Alexander with the writing of his, some of his books. Um, yes, that's certainly so, he helped. He made suggestions, and uh, I think at one point uh, Alexander actually alludes to the fact that someone, and it's pr- pretty clearly Dewey, has told him that his sentences are too long. Which yes. and, and and to which Alexander says, "I know they're long, but they have to be long given what I'm trying to say." So, who knows? But yeah, I think Dewey certainly helped uh, helped him present himself to the world. And and I guess we would have to say, in all fairness, that Dewey was disappointed when Alexander fail to take advantage of some opportunities for having his work better known in later years. Yes, I've read that too. And um, seems like it may have been uh, some, it may have created some discord between the two of them. Um, But my sense was that John Dewey was uh, big enough and open-minded enough to not push uh, Alexander, because Alexander's baby to begin with. Uh, so I, I just get a good sense of uh, Dewey being a very generous uh, help to Alexander, even though he may not be acknowledged as much as he could have been. Right. And, and, and this leads also to the question of how Dewey scholars have dealt with Alexander. Because, I mean, here th- this guy shows up 
in Dewey's writings. He, he's written the introduction to, to Alexander, three of Alexander's books. He's made numerous statements of the kind I just read about Alexander's work in education and so forth. Um, and I, my sense is, and you may know more about this, that for a long time, Alexander was just dismissed as uh, sort of an aberration. You know, Dewey just latched on to this, this crazy guy from Australia, and it really has no importance. But my understanding also is that in more recent years, say the last 20, 25 years or so, there has been an increased appreciation of Alexander's influence on on uh, on John Dewey. Does that match your understanding of of the situation? Yes, it does. Uh, as far back as I think it was eighty six, the very first International Alexander Conference in New York, um, or maybe uh, Joanne Boydston. Mm-hmm. who was the editor, editor of, of Dewey's Collected Works, gave a talk. Uh, that was my first sense of the importance of the connection. Mm-hmm. And she was pretty clear that it was a strong influence and a very useful one. Yes, and she's produced, although she's been published, these, the proceedings of these conferences have been published. I think she gave another, another talk for uh, Neistat at some point. Uh, that's that's a, an Alexander... Uh, uh, professional society that we're yes, talking the about. Yes, the North. Yes. So she's been uh, a forerunner there. Um, more recently, some of the uh, the John Dewey Society had a recent publication. Not a particularly well-written one, I think. I had to write to them and correct a few things. Uh, but at least they're making an effort to acknowledge that contribution of Alexander to Dewey. Some other philosophers, uh, Richard Schusterman, uh, who is a philosopher, a Deweyan philosopher, pragmatist, mm-hmm. has written quite a few chapters in his books about the contribution of Alexander to Dewey. Uh, he's slightly critical of Alexander in a way, from a philosophical point of view, um, and so there's room to, to understand that. Um, so things are happening, and um, it's quite... Quite, uh, add, I think it adds to the Ale- Alexander Technique's intellectual capital, is a way of saying it, to know that uh, these Deweyan scholars are coming, are acknowledging Alexander. Well, uh, you know, Al- Alexander um, had a number of famous students, particularly in the 20s and 30s, people like Aldous Huxley and George Bernard Shaw and other people of that kind many of whom wrote something about their experience with Alexander. Huxley certainly was very enthusiastic about his ideas, and I think Huxley acknowledged some uh, intellectual uh, influence on him. He even wrote a book called Ends and Means, and he made Alexander a character, a partial character in one of his books. But my sense is of all of those famous people, the only one who really understood Alexander well was John Dewey. Now, would you agree with that, or do you think I'm being too... too... Uh, I could agree with that. Um, He's had the opportunity to write more. Um, Mm -hmm. 
I guess I don't know how much Aldous Huxley understood. We can only go by what he wrote. But mm-hmm. um, Dewey, I think, has the audience uh, in philosophical circles, intellectual circles, educational circles, mm-hmm. uh, that Bernard Shaw would only have in theatrical circles, perhaps. Right, um, right. So there's more room to spread, uh, to use Dewey as a medium in, with education, but of course when you, if you're dealing with theatrical people, then you'd probably draw on Bernard Shaw more appropriately as your source of um, quotations and mm-hmm. evidence. Right. So is there anything that we haven't covered in the Dewey-Alexander connection relationship that, that you'd like to bring out before we, before we bring this conversation to a close? Uh, to encourage people to read Dewey, uh, if not Dewey himself, then some of his more recent uh, uh, writers who've written about Dewey. Uh, there's a lovely book by Jim Garrison, who's a professor of, edu- professor of educational philosophy, I think, at um, Virginia Tech. Uh, who's written a book called Dewey and Eros, which sounds like it's a rather strange title. But Jim Garrison writes so beautifully and he distills Dewey in ways that I sort of understand Alexander. You can, with my Alexander background, I can read Jim Garrison's uh, recreation of Dewey and it's just beautiful stuff. So there are some... Very nice things to be reading out there, even though they sound like they're deep and philosophical. But Jim Garrison, for example, writes very sweetly and clearly. Uh, so if somebody has an interest in these things, you could start there. Mm-hmm. Um, and as, we, as I mentioned earlier, the introductions to Alexander's books, which are readily available, would also help anyone who's interested in learning more about this connection um, to, 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 well, to learn more about it. Um, well, maybe we should uh, we should end the conversation at this point. Um, my my guest uh, my guest has been uh, Dr. Terry Fitzgerald, who is an Alexander Technique teacher in Sydney, Australia. He's been teaching for over thirty years. For many years, he was the director of the Sydney Alexander School, a training uh, program for teachers. Alexander teachers. He has a doctorate in education from the University of Technology in Sydney. And um, if anything that we've been talking about uh, interests you, um, if you're in Sydney, contact uh, Terry. And if you're somewhere else, find a find a teacher and or do some reading, perhaps first, and then maybe find a teacher to get some direct experience of what Dewey and Alexander uh, were talking about. Terry, thank you so much for being on the show. You're very welcome, Robert. Thank you.